Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning. Welcome to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today, as it is on every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We're going to be talking about giving money, talking about how much is enough. Have you ever talked about or thought about what your own personal finish line is? You know, the amount of money it would take for you and your family to have what you need and, and possibly even more than what you want. And what happens next? What happens after that? What's your legacy going to look like? I'm going to talk about that a little later in the program today, but before we get there, I want to start talking about uh, the, some events coming up here with Miracle Hill. I have full disclosure here. I'm on the board of Miracle Hill and have been for several years, so I want to make sure that everybody understands that. So, But it's a, it's a great ministry here in the upstate. Sandy Fresnel here is with me in the studio to talk about some uh, events coming up and a little bit about Miracle Hill. So I think it's a good idea to refresh everyone's mind and memory about what goes on here in the upstate because it's behind the scenes. People don't know what's going on. If it's not in your world, you don't even know what's happening. But there's a lot of people being helped, and and we need money to, to help with that. So welcome to the microphone, Sandy. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here today. Always a pleasure to have you on the on the program today. So give us a little idea of, of what's going on at Miracle Hill. A number of people are being helped, and I know there's a lot of different ministries. We can't even talk about all the ministries today, but a lot of different ministries. But what are some of the things going on that are exciting at Miracle Hill? Well, right out of the gate, let me just say that Miracle Hill, you know, has been around for a long time, since 1937. And on any given day, we're serving over 600 people here in the upstate. So we're spread across several counties. And through our homeless shelters, our addiction right. recovery centers, and our foster care program, that's a lot of folks that we're it's serving. It's not the same 600. That's people right. People think, oh, no, it's not the same 600. It's, it's, I don't know how about the turnover is. It can is, turn over, uh, exactly. Yeah, right. People are coming and going all the sure. time. But one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is that we definitely take a comprehensive approach to caring for people who are experiencing homelessness, people who are dealing with addiction, because there's very much this cycle of brokenness. And that's what we like to say at Miracle Hill is we're we're helping to stop the cycle of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And that's why we try to work with children who are in crisis. We work with adults who are in crisis, because oftentimes it's the result of trauma that may be people have experienced in their lives that have gotten to them to the place where they now are experiencing homelessness or they're in addiction. And so we want to break that cycle. So what's the difference, though, between what Miracle Hill does? And there are some other agencies, government agencies, others that that try to do the same thing, but don't have the same success rate. So, I mean, I know what's what's that success is coming from. But let's talk about that just a second. Yeah. So we're there to meet not just their physical needs. We're definitely going to give them food. We're going to give them shelter. We're going to provide a place for them to rest and start to heal. We're going to provide counseling for them. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely that gospel centered approach for Miracle Hill because Miracle Hill is definitely all about, you know, recognizing that we're not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings as well. And so a lot of that brokenness 
has to do with a relationship that's broken, a relationship with God, mm-hmm. a relationship with other people, and a relationship within their community. Right. And so we right. want to restore that. We want help yeah. to we want to help people see that they can be so much more. They can be what God created them yeah. to be. And the success rate really is higher and you can't argue with the facts. <laughs> you you see what the facts are on the amount of success that Miracle Hill has and and the the biblical infusion, the spiritual infusion, and it's not jammed down their throat. It's it obviously you can't make somebody believe something. You you can't do that. God does that. But you you plant the seeds, you show people the way, and those who who find that way through God, it, the chances of them not relapsing is statistically just a lot higher. Yeah, definitely. And rebuilding a lot of those relationships is the key to that. And so when we help people, when we when we introduce them to Christ, but when we also introduce them to people who are going to walk that journey with them. I'm so excited about the fact that in a lot of our shelters now, we have mentors who are walking alongside the people who are in crisis. Volunteer mentors, right? That's right. People who say, I'm going to walk alongside a man who's in recovery so that I can be there to listen. I can be there to counsel. I can be there to help him get to an appointment or maybe just offer some advice on financial advice, there perhaps. We have that as well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm amazed at the people who will say, you know, I just really want to help right. in the shelter some way. Yeah. And I'm, I have a financial background. Is that something you might be able to need? And Absolutely. sure enough, the folks in our shelters could need financial counseling. Very basic. Some of them, you don't yeah. realize how little they understand. Well, of course, I would say a lot of people, not just in the shelters, don't understand basic financial planning. But certainly those people do because when they get back out into the normal life and they don't have the dependence in the shelters and the food and things that are, are more regimented there for them, they're going to have to do that on their own. So they need to understand basic budgeting, basic balancing your checkbook, things like that that, that we can help them with. Absolutely. And that's the thing that we're trying to do in the shelters is to offer them that structure that they haven't been living under. And a lot of times when people come into a shelter, it's they've been living a chaotic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so that's relationally, financially, uh, spiritually. And so we're like that shelter from the storm. And so we're trying to help them get back on a better path. So one of the things I always like to mention when I have you on the air is the people that work at Miracle Hill. Being on the board, it's just one of those things that I find because we do direct inspections. So those who wonder about the accountability, so all the board members are assigned a ministry and we go in teams to the ministries and we actually do interviews privately with some of the people who are the staff. We do some of the people who are actually using facilities, the guests in the homes, and we find out what their needs are. Are they, are they being met and so forth? And then when we talk to the staff that works there, it's just, Always very encouraging to me when I just listen to them and hear their passion and their and their true joy in being there. I mean, these people, their staff, just want to be there to help people. And when you see that kind of desire, it shows through. It's got to show through to the guests that are there that they see that compassion and love for them, that there's truly somebody there that wants them to help. It really does. Um, let me just tell you about a lady named Grace. Okay. Her name is, is aptly fitting for her. Because she works at Shepherd's Gate, which is our shelter for homeless women and children Mm -hmm. here in Greenville. Mm -hmm. And Grace has this most beautiful, warm smile. And she is going to love ladies right where they are. Mm -hmm. She's going to welcome them in. 
She's going to provide them um, a place where they can say, I'm loved here. I'm cared for here. Grace gets to know them intimately. You know, she knows where they're at on their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's listening to them. And I think okay. that's one of the key things that yeah. helps people is yeah. to just know that they're seen and heard. Sure. Oh, that's a, that's that has to be a big part of it. So you mentioned about people that maybe wanted to volunteer to mentor. So there's people that, that think all the time. So I like to do something that's that's going to benefit the community that's bigger than myself. Well, this is one of those ways you can do that. You can go onto the website, go onto the volunteer site and find different pla- all the different places that are available to volunteer. You can do that. And then sign up and do something. And you can do it as little or as much as you have time to do, right? Absolutely. And, of course, we definitely want those relational things. The once and done are good, too, because sometimes just being able to come in and serve a meal is wonderful because we certainly need that. But people who want to invest a little deeper, we even have some people who come um, regularly. They'll, They'll come once a week to do coffee okay. hour ah, at the rescue okay, mission. Okay. And so they'll just sit with the guys and talk with just them. Talk. Yeah, yeah, listen yeah. to them, build relationships. Well, one of the other misconceptions I think that people have is that, well, I'm sure the government is taking care of most of the cost of Miracle Hill, and that's not the case. I mean, there's some funding that comes through the foster care system, and we really would like to, over the years, be less dependent and, and really eliminate that so we have full control over the foster care system ourselves. Not there yet, but most of the... The funds that come for Miracle Hill come from people that I'm talking to right now, the listeners, some companies, but it's really the listeners and small gifts that may come in every month, $20 a month, $50 a month. Those are the ones that we really like because we can essentially kind of establish a, a budget ourselves in that and see and, and use those funds to, to plan what our expenses are going to be. So there's a couple of events coming up that, that would help people uh to to fund their their dollars this way so when's the banquet coming up uh very soon so that's on on march the 17th and and it's uh going to be kind of late to get in there maybe a few spots left uh, you may check on on that but that'll be a great fundraiser uh and you can hear a lot of the testimonies and so forth but there's something else coming up um beyond that just on june the 6th that we want to spend most of the time talking about so what What's coming up with this ninja business? Yeah, this is a great event. This is called Kids Ninja Challenge. So this is an obstacle course challenge for kids ages 4 to 12. And the idea is that they're going to come out for this wonderful, awesome event. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to challenge themselves physically. But prior to that, we want them to fundraise. So kids raising funds for homeless kids. So this is a terrific opportunity for families to teach their kids about giving and serving and loving. Right. And so go to our website, MiracleHill.org and under the events tab, or I think you could even go to MiracleHill.org slash Ninja okay. and that will take That's you there as well. Idea. So okay. MiracleHill.org, get the, get over there and get your kids registered and start fundraising. It's on June 6th. So you've got some time to do the fundraising, but get it on your calendar. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, please check it out. And, and one last thing we'll talk about that almost everybody can participate in to help Miracle Hill would be through the thrift stores. Virtually everybody has stuff around the house that they can give away, and I encourage you to go to one of the Miracle Hill. Not that we have anything against Goodwill, but go to Miracle Hill. <laughs> start thinking about uh, start your thinking, spring cleaning. That's right. right? It's time. Yeah, because if you want if you want to help people and give them a, a true biblical uh, basis for that help uh, and encouraging them that way, it's it's giving it to Miracle Hill. That's where that's going to happen. So there's a lot of thrift stores around, and Think then of course them. and then of course shop there. Uh, you can get some good buys there too. But but especially those who can give uh, give to um, stuff they have around the house. We want good stuff. And we're not, we're not talking about stuff that you were about to throw away anyway. Uh, so thrift stores are 
big part of Miracle Hill. It is. And we also have another area where people can give too. This is something that individuals and businesses, we have a program called um, Creation Works. And Creation Works is a, um, it's a landscaping company that, oh, that's right. That's right. And yeah. so if people need landscaping for their business, this is another um, area where people can actually contribute to Miracle Hill Ministries through that. Find that out through the website as well. You could actually go to their website. Okay. So, um, but if you contact us at Miracle Hill, we can certainly put you in touch with them. That'd be great. All right, great information, Sandy. Thanks once again for joining me on Talking Money, and we'll look forward to some of these events uh, bringing in a lot of funds for this great cause. Thank you. All right, we are time for a break. Past time for a break. We'll we'll be back with more of Talking Money after these messages. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? which is usually the common perspective, or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well, quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ron Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 22 after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. I had to, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess, record that piece with Sandy Fresnel. She was going to be out of town today, so I recorded that before she left because I wanted to get some information about Miracle Hill out to the public and out to my listeners. And one of the things I got to correct in there is because toward the end, we talked about the Miracle Hill Banquet coming up this coming Tuesday and because of the coronavirus situation, they have elected to change that around. So we're not going to host that banquet anymore. That The actual on-site banquet has been canceled. Instead, uh, we'll be having a virtual banquet. And so they'll be putting that together uh, without, without the food, of course. Uh, they'll be putting that together in the next week or so, and there'll be more information about that. Trying to get the information, the same type of testimonies and people talking about their experience with Miracle Hill and how Miracle Hill helped them putting that into a format that we can see it online. And I'm not sure exactly all the details that are behind that. They're still working on those. But so unfortunately, not being able to hold the banquet, but we certainly want to make sure that you understand that organizations like Miracle Hill and others that are having to suspend or cancel their banquets are in still of need of funds. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is different ways of of giving and how you can give smartly, tax-wise. And what's the importance of giving? At the the outset of the show, I talked about the importance of determining what your own financial finish line is. 
have ever even thought about what that is. So in other words, you're trying to figure out how much is enough for you and your family, not just for things that you need, but even some things that you want. This is what I think is more than enough for me and to pass on to my kids. I think, unfortunately, people think oftentimes that all I need to do, my my state plan is essentially if I die, it goes to my spouse. When my spouse dies, we're just going to split it all to the children. Well, I think you need to think one more way and, and take another step toward that and see how you might want to help even establish or or start a legacy that you would have that's that's different, something beyond yourself and your family to help some of these organizations do what they need to do to help people that so desperately need the help. And so I, I was reading some things in even our own Ronald Blue Trust website, and there's a quote there by Winston Churchill that says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So I thought that was a pretty good observation by Winston Churchill about what truly matters long term. And for many people listening to me, there's not going to be enough money to really say, well, yeah, I can I can start giving away a bunch of money. But there are ways to give that are not just have to do that don't have just to do with money. There are other ways to do it. But I don't want any of any of my talking money listeners to to die and stand before God and God says, "Look, I blessed you with all these material goods while you were on earth." And all you did was accumulate and hoard them for yourselves. I didn't give you all that just that you could build more barns, as the Bible talks about in the parables. That's not why. I want you to give those resources to other people who need it now. And I heard a pastor one time talking years ago about sacrificial giving, and he, he was talking to some of his parishioners about sacrificial giving. And they were talking about, oh, yes, I've I've got my estate set up so that when I die then I've got all these assets and money that are going to be going to the church and going to other ministries. And his reply was, that's not sacrificial giving. You don't need it anymore. You're gone. You don't need it anymore. So giving sacrificially, as the Bible tells us to do, is something more than just putting it in your estate. So looking through, because I'm fairly new with Ronald Blue Trust, and looking through some of the pieces on the website that we have, and I think this is an internal part, but it has key tenets. There are four key tenets for Ronald Blue Trust, biblical wisdom, technical expertise, generosity, and leaving a legacy. So I wanted to read to you the section that is under generosity because I thought it really encapsulated what we believe and what we feel like even our clients should be at least thinking about. So it says, we believe that everyone has the ability to be generous. Generosity does not always come from excess but from sacrificial hearts and the willingness to be good stewards of the resources he has entrusted to us. Stewardship is at the heart of our planning. We acknowledge that God owns it all, and we are instructed to give to those in need. Generosity is about more than just money. It's a lifestyle of giving our time, talent, and treasure. Effective planning, which of course we do at Rumble Trust, effective planning opens the door for deeper more far-reaching charitable giving opportunities. And there, there are Bible verses, Bible passages listed after each one of these points. Integrate giving strategies into financial plans to help clients give more, enabling them to invest in treasures in heaven. Help clients define their financial finish lines to help them toward financial freedom so they can focus on what matters most in life. So I think that 
is what a lot of people believe. A lot of you listening to me believe that. But we don't always act on that belief. And I think we are the only firm that I know of with the only firm, trust company slash wealth management firm, that actually encourages our clients to do this, to give money away. Obviously, some of the a big portion of what we make to earn a living to so that we can supply the advice that we supply is by a fee that we charge based on the amount of assets that we manage. Well, if we're telling a client to give money away, that's going to be less in the pot that we charge on. So it's not intuitive for a financial planning firm, a trust company, to say you ought to give money away. But we feel like that's the best thing for the client because those clients who have actually taken that step and have put together a strategy of, of giving, use some of these tax strategies we're going to talk about after the break to start giving those funds away. When they start doing that, the joy that they get from it and seeing the results of it, even if they give it anonymously, and there are ways to do that that we'll talk about, those are all different things that help, I think, bring joy to someone's life that you don't have if you just hoard the money and just think, I just, I'm going to need this all for myself. My family's all going to need it. Now, there are legitimate reasons why a family's going to, going to need more money. There's a disabled child. There's, uh, someone who has some other a particular difficulty that you know that they're going to need some of those funds. But there's still a way to calculate about how much you think that would be. And if they're already going to get X amount of dollars, but and that's enough, well, then you established your financial finish line. So then you can you have an idea of, okay, now I, I know what I could give above that. And there again, we're not talking necessarily about thousands or millions of dollars. In some, in some cases, we're talking about it's your time. And it's your, and it's your energy that you might give to an organization that helps you do that. Not just, uh, your money. As I just stated, it's, it's more than just, just, um, financially that, uh, doesn't come always from excess, but sacrificial hearts and, and being a good steward of that, those funds. So we're going to talk about these ways, the, the different ways that you can give money and might as well be as tax efficient as we can about it. We certainly want to do that and that will freeze up even more money for Kingdom Work, 877-235-9405 is our text line, our phone line. If you've got a question about giving or something else on your mind, we'd love to answer that for you. 877-235-9405. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. WGTK, The Answer. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives, so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. 
Find out more about Ron Blue Trust at ronblue.com. Send an email to greenville at ronblue.com or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. To listen to that music, uh, we got to listen to that music just a little bit longer. We got some technical difficulties going on there, and Paul's sweating bullets in there trying to get it all going. We, we're we're back on live now, so welcome back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. We're talking about giving and the right reasons to give, and thinking about your legacy, and even thinking about transferring your values. Much more importantly, really, than transferring your valuables, we think. So that's something to also to discuss. But we want to talk about the, the tax smart ways of doing this so that you have even more money if you want to give away. So let's set some parameters. So looking at uh, some of the IRS websites and some of the tax books, just uh, refreshing my memory, what exactly is deductible? Most of us uh, are or what kinds of organizations can you give? And have it deductible. Most of us know we can give to most charities. We can give to our church, and those are all deductible. Uh, some of the other things you can give money to, and I'm sure everybody's right ready to do this, and that is federal, state, and local governments. You can actually make a contribution to the federal, state, and local government. And as long as that contribution is solely for public purpose, it's not to pay your taxes or something. It's to, to make a contribution. You can do that. So for all those um Left-leaning people who think we're not taxed enough, well, you're welcome to to pay more any day you want to. You can make a contribution and uh, and pay more than more than what we think is your fair share. But if that's but if you think it's not, then you can always give more. Uh, nonprofit schools, hospitals, some other volunteer fire companies, even public parks, uh, public charities. As we always know, we talk about Miracle Hill, but Salvation Army and some of those other places, we know we can give to those. War veterans groups. Uh, also want to keep in mind that charitable travel is still deductible. So you can go, it's, it's been 14 cents a mile for quite a while. But if you track the transportation, meals, lodging are deductible as long as there's not a significant element, it says, significant element of personal pleasure, recreation, or vacation in the travel. So those car expenses can be deducted using the actual cost or standard mileage rate of 14 cents per mile. So that's something a lot of us forget about. And of course, you've, you've got to have the, 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 the ability to itemize your deductions to take some of this. And that's been negated for so many people because of the new standard deduction recently put in place where $24,400 for the year 2020, your, your itemized deductions would have to be higher than that before you can even take them because the standard deduction already beats that and half that for a single taxpayer. But you've got that much of charitable contributions. You've got your $10,000 limit of state and local income taxes, the old SALT deduction that we've talked about in in shows past. Put all that together, it, it's got to be more than 24400 before you can even need to bother doing that. So listing a couple of things that aren't deductible, because I've run into some of these as well over the years. So non-deductible contributions, you can, you're welcome to contribute it. 
but it's non-deductible. A civic league, social sports clubs, labor unions, uh, foreign organizations, other than certain Canadian, Mexican, and Israeli charities. thought that was interesting. Uh, groups that are run for personal profit. Sorry, can't deduct those. Uh, groups whose purpose is to lobby for law changes. Homeowners Association, all those nasty dues that you get to pay, those HOA dues, uh, sorry, not deductible. Individuals. So you can't just give money to an individual and get a tax deduction. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? Absolutely not. When you have, I, we have a number, quite a few clients who even set money aside and say, I, I keep, I know it's not deductible, but I want to be, have money available, funds available, so that if I find someone in need, through my church or through my office or something, then I can make that contribution to them and help them out in their time of need for something that the Lord and God has, has blessed me with. Uh, dues, fees, and bills paid to country clubs, lodges, um, those kind of places. Tuition, sorry, not deductible. Value of blood given to a blood bank. And this last one I'll mention, value of time or services rendered by the taxpayer. So I've heard of people say, well, uh, I'm a lawyer, so I donated this much time. I'm an accountant, so I, I spent this much time helping them with straightening out their books or just doing their basic bookkeeping. I did all these things for them. So my time should be deductible, right? No, it's not deductible. If you want it to be deductible, then you have to have, you have to charge them for it and they can pay the money and then you can give that money away, but then that's a wash. So it doesn't matter. So the value of your time or services are not deductible. There again, all this has to do with itemized deductions. So if you're not itemizing your deductions, then it's not going to matter. Any of these aren't going to matter. So let's go through a couple of different ways. We won't possibly be able to get through all of these today, but we'll get through some of them in a few weeks. Daniel Hicks is going to join me. He's a tax attorney and was in private practice for many years. He moved a year ago about the same time, actually the same day that we merged with Ronald Blue Trust, Plan First did. Daniel went to work for National Christian Foundation. They've got a lot of pieces out there, a lot of information out there about some tax smart ways of giving that you can find out and just go to their their website to find that at the National Christian Foundation. But he's going to come to talk even more details about some of these things. He's describing to me some of the techniques he has used and just the since the early few months that he's been with them that he's been able to use for actual client situations and some pretty exciting ways to save some money, some creative ways to save some money, tax money, to free up even even more money for other purposes. So cash, that's what most people give. So according to IRS regulation or IRS records, most people give from cash. Even though most of your assets are held in non-cash assets, uh, the easiest thing to do is just to write a check or to go even easier, go online, make that contribution on the organization's website. And then you do it on your charge card. If you do it on a charge card, you do get some points for something, and maybe you can redeem those points. Or if you're generous, you'll add some to the contribution to help the organization pay because they have to pay so much percent. Depending on the arrangement they have with the charge card company, they have to pay a certain amount of that each time you make a contribution. But, of course, anything they get is greatly appreciated. But you are limited. So we have new limitations. Is 60% of your adjusted gross income. So you can't deduct any more than 60%. So if you made $10,000, then you can give $6,000. You can't give more than $6,000. Of 
course, if you're making that little, then you're not going to be deducting it anyway because it's not going to be more than the 24400 for a married filing jointly person to to itemize their deductions. Now, I keep reminding you of that. It's it's all these things, most of these things I'm going to talk about have to do with those who are able to itemize the deductions. Now, we will talk about the qualified charitable distributions and things like that that, that can bypass that. Very neat things to do, some techniques to use if you are over 70 and a half and, and not the new 72 rule that we talked about a few weeks ago that for your minimum required distribution, that's been changed to 72. The seven and a half rule still applies for qualified charitable distributions. We'll talk about that as well, but you can't, you can carry it forward. So if for some reason you can't use that deduction because it's more than 60%. So somebody has a, some kind of a liquidity event. They sell a business. They they ha- have an inherited. Have something else that's that's going to create a lot of taxable income in that one year. So they want to prepay. Make sure that their income gets below the higher bracket. So they they pay sixty percent, or they just have a strong desire to help a particular organization. So they they give more than sixty percent of the adjusted gross income. It's not coming from their income. It's coming from an asset. But in order to deduct it, 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 it still, they, they, you have that 60% limitation and you also have the other limitations that have to do with, with giving, um, appreciated assets because some of those limitations we'll talk about that coming up as well. Cause you've got 50% limitations, 30%, 20%, a lot of different limitations here. But for most people, the cash part, you got to make sure you keep it under that. 60% if you want to deduct it in the year that you are doing it. All right. So keep in mind again, as we go into the break, that the standard deduction has been increased. So your that whatever that sixty percent of your adjusted gross income is, it still has to be more than the twenty four thousand four hundred before your uh, the total, including your other deductions, has to be more than the twenty four thousand four hundred before you can actually tax deduct it. So when we get back to the break. We'll talk about giving non cash items, maybe garage sale, appreciated assets. We'll go over that as well as much time as we have before we end up. Running out of time, as we usually do here on Talking Money. But if you've got a question about, especially about giving, or even have a story to tell about something that uh, you were able to do, of course, you'll be doing it anonymously. We'd love to hear that as well. 877-235-9405. Of course, just a quick reminder, if you ever have a question you, you want to ask but don't want to get on the air, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. All one word, TalkingMoneyRadio.com. There's a place there. You click on the radio show, then on that button, and then it'll have a place there for you to ask a question. You can just type in your question anytime during the week. And I usually get one or two during the week on, and some I cover, some I don't on Talking Money, but I'd love to hear from you at talkingmoneyradio.com or 800-588-7526 is my number at the office if you ever want to call to ask a question there as well. So we're talking giving. We'd love to hear from you. 877-235-9405. Text or call. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, 
coordinated the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 800-588-7526 or 864-233-7405. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We only have about 11 minutes left here on Talking Money today. But as I said, we will speak again about this subject in just a couple of weeks. The next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about Medicare and Social Security. So Eddie Holland is going to join me, CPA and Certified Financial Planner out of our office. We're going to talk about uh, Medicare and the Medicare premiums and the Medicare surcharge. So there are there are things that you can do. First of all, you need to be made aware of it. You don't want to be caught by surprise and say, all of a sudden, now I have this extra income. And then two years later, when they're looking at your income from two years before, and now your premium's higher than you thought it would be for that next year. So there's some ways to mitigate that. There are also some ways to maybe take advantage of that. So perhaps you'll only be charged that higher premium for one year. You know, Put all those things going to increase your income into one year. Make sure it doesn't mess up your taxable income, your your marginal tax bracket, but then try to plan around that. And then we'll be talking again about Social Security. I've had a lot of questions come up about Social Security. And what we want to do is give you real information. So we're not just going to say, yeah, come in and get you a, a Social Security, uh, some kind of an analysis done so we can sell you some product. No, we're going to give you real, actionable information you can use about Social Security. For those of you who are on Social Security already or those of you who are contemplating being on Social Security sometime in the next couple of years, we'll have some strategies for you for that. So the next two weeks we'll be talking Social Security. Then sometime after that we will come back to talking about gift and we'll get Daniel Hicks on the air with us so we can talk some more about some of these things that the National Christian Foundation, some of these techniques that they use to help increase the tax efficiency of your giving. All right, so other things you can do to give. So, of course, non-cash items. So I talked about this a little bit in that first segment with Sandy from Miracle Hill about giving items that you can take to the thrift store. So you can go to any of the Miracle Hill thrift stores. You can go go to places like Goodwill and Salvation Army as well. But but the the biggest amount of sales this year or this in this community comes from the Miracle Hill because there are more Miracle Hill thrift stores than there are any other thrift stores around. And so you give it, of course, they have no basis for it. So they can turn around and sell and everything is cash to be put toward, of course, first the cost of running a thrift store and then the value above that, the cost, uh, the, the funds raised above that can be used for the actual ministry. And believe me, being on the board, I see the inside, how much money is raised because we're able to get that, those donations from the thrift store to help with regular operations. So it is really a huge thing. So I can't emphasize enough. Go through your closets, do that spring cleaning, get nice stuff. You know, we're not things that, that you're about to throw away or there or uh, things that you wouldn't even want yourself. We're talking about things that you just don't want anymore. You don't use it anymore or they don't fit you anymore. Uh, so you can give them away. So I say they don't fit because you lost weight and it's too big for you. We'll say that. And whatever the, whatever the reason, but take a buy there. And then you can always get that uh, deduction slip, that receipt for it. You can say, okay, I, I want to get receipt. They always ask you, do you want a receipt for it? And I think a lot of people say yes. And I always think in my mind when I see them doing that, say, do you really need the receipt? 
Are you really going to have enough in charitable contributions and your other itemized deductions like your South Carolina taxes, your property taxes, which are limited to 10000 So for most people, it's your mortgage interest that, that's above the $10,000 if you go as high as 10000 whatever amount you're paying in mortgage interest, and then your donations that's got to get over 24400 If that's not going to happen, don't bother with the receipt. Just give the money, give the the material, the the goods that you had at your house that were in your attic or whatever, give them and don't worry about their receipt because it's, it's just more trouble than it's worth to fill it all out because you're not going to use it anyway. Of course, I guess there might be that chance that maybe you will use it later and you just don't know it. And there, you know, that, that would be a good reason to, to go ahead and keep the receipts. Something else you might have not thought of that uh, a lot of people do is, as we're coming up to the spring is have a garage sale. So we used to have those fair amount, but we don't anymore, but we do, uh, our, our kids do some. So you, you set up that garage sale and you get, you get, uh, you know, several hundred dollars, you get $500, whatever it is. Well, you can give that money away. That's extra stuff that you can give. And I would also consider the amount of money that you're going to get for the items versus going in and taking them to, to Miracle Hill and getting the deduction for whatever the fair market value is of those of those items that you gave. You might find it it's it's more advantageous and certainly a whole lot less trouble to take it by Miracle Hill than it is to try to set up a garage sale and do all the stuff that you need to do for that because that isn't always too much fun. Okay, and then we want to spend some time talking about appreciated assets. So given appreciated at appreciated assets, you're limited to how much you give. You certainly wanted to talk to your tax preparer to see, but you do have the ability to carry that forward five years. So if you can't use it in one year, so it's, let's say it's over 60% or over 30% as you're giving appreciated assets away, then you can always use it for later on. But, but as the NCF quotes the IRS saying that most people give from cash, even though most of their wealth is held in non-cash assets. So the benefits to giving what we would say be more wisely, because people think, well, I have to give it out of cash. Well, no, you can you can give the the assets. And, of course, stocks right now are down, except for yesterday. So maybe it's not the best time to give a, a stock. Um, and you certainly wouldn't want to give a stock if it's at a loss. Now may be a time to think, well, if my stock is, is at a loss, let me go ahead and sell that because I want to give funds away. I'm going to sell that, take the uh, the tax loss from that, and then give those proceeds to the church or whatever ministry you're giving it to. Take the cash you would have spent toward the making the gift, and instead you don't have the cash because you sold that asset, and then rebuy the asset. Now you have to be careful; you can't buy the exact same thing for 31 days because you just that, that's a, one of those. Run those rules you're just not allowed to do. So you have to wait for that 31 days, then buy the exact same asset, or you can buy something, you know, fairly similar. Maybe you can buy an index fund that's the stock market if you sold a particular, or gave away a particular stock. There are ways to get around that, but just be very careful that you don't, um, uh, run afoul to that 31 day rule. So the reasons to giving more of that by giving assets, uh, is you, you'll pay less taxes. So by donating the non-cash asset first, rather than selling it first, paying the taxes and giving the proceeds, all right, is you typically receive a tax deduction for the full market, full fair market value. So if it's a long-term capital gain gift, you're going to get the deduction for the full fair market value of that gift. As And, of course, you're going to avoid the capital gains taxes on it. Now, also keep in mind that if you happen to be in the 
12% tax bracket, including the sale of a particular capital asset, then it's really a wash because there are zero long-term capital gain taxes if you stay in that 12% tax bracket. There is no long-term capital gain tax. So if you have $50,000 of income and you're married filing jointly and you have another $20,000 of long-term capital gain profit, not not the sale of it, but the actual profit from that sale is $20,000. Well, that's keeping you below the 22% bracket, which means you're in the 12% bracket or less, and you will have zero long-term capital gains on that. So keep that in mind, especially those of you there again who can't tax deduct it anyway as an itemized deduction. That's kind of a wash for you. But if you are itemizing your deductions, then then giving away that property. And it's also helpful, I've found, for some clients who have purchased a particular company stock over the years. So they had a payroll deduction where they were buying a few shares every single paycheck. And for whatever reason, they didn't keep track of the cost basis or the transfer agent did not keep track of the cost basis for that. It's like, wow, how am I going to recreate the cost basis? So if I do, when I do sell them, I'll have something to put down as what I paid for it. And there are other things that people buy that they just don't remember what they paid for it. So you can give those assets away, take the cash that you save by not giving the cash and you gave the property instead you get the deduction for the full fair market value of that gift and you don't have to pay taxes on the gain and they take the money you were going to give and you can rebuy that same asset and now you'll know what the basis is because you bought it and it'll be a higher basis because it's at the current price typically there again depending on when you bought it with the, the 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 way the market goes up and down who knows but it's a it's a great way to not to get rid of that trouble of how do I figure out what the basis is. Because you save money, you could also consider giving more to the ministry. So the capital gains taxes you save from giving the asset directly means there really is more to support the work of the kingdom. And there would be more if you were to take the sale of the asset, pay the taxes, reduce your gift by the amount you paid in taxes, then you're giving less. Well, if you give them the asset, you don't have to worry about that. You can get the full deduction of that, so more is going to the ministry. And it also can help your personal savings. Because you receive the full tax deduction for the fair market value, you'll see better savings on your personal tax return, potentially. So that means more money stays in your pocket for your lifestyle expenses or additional giving, or there again, just to buy the same asset that you that you just sold. So a lot of different things we're not talking about. IRA distributions and offsetting itemized deductions, the qualified charitable, the QCD, qualified charitable distributions, charitable trust. Uh, donor advised funds we want to talk about, bunching deductions, uh, giving privately held stock. There's all kind of things that we did not cover. But we, I promise you we'll get to some of these things in a few weeks when we get Daniel Hicks, get the expert in here to talk about some of these things and a good opportunity for you to ask questions to him as well. So 877-235-9405 is the number for here for next week, but 800-588-7526 is my phone number if you want to get me during the week. Have a great week. Enjoy the weekend.